When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For most women in the U.S., having a baby means having medical help nearby, just in case of an emergency. However, more and more women are trying to have their babies as natural as possible, including having an unassisted childbirth. But what exactly does that mean, to have an unassisted birth, and is it right for you? We'll talk to two women who have experienced it firsthand. This is Preggy Pals, Episode 12. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got kinkles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. Preggy Pals is all about empowering women to pursue their own individual childbirth choices. If you have a pregnancy-related question, you can ask our experts. Call the Preggy Pals hotline at 619-866-4775 and leave a message, and we'll have one of our experts answer your question in an upcoming episode. And there are many more ways to get involved with our show. Simply visit our website, preggypals.com, for more information. All right, let's introduce our panelists that are joining us here in the studio. Stephanie, let's start with you. Okay. Hi, I'm Stephanie Sofeld. I am 29. I'm a gemologist. I'm due January 9th with my first child. Um, we don't know the gender yet, and we are having a hospital birth. All right. And I'm Christine Stewart Fitzgerald. I'm 40. And right now, a stay-at-home mom. I am expecting um, a singleton in October. Uh, we don't know the gender yet. Fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> I've got uh, twin identical girls at home that'll uh, be three in a few months, and I'm hoping to do a home birth this time around. I didn't know they were identical. You're twins. That's yeah. so. That's really rare. <laughs> I have a friend who um, is an identical twin, and she actually gave birth to identical twins, which is very, very rare. <laughs> it is. It's not. It's not hereditary or anything like no, that. No, so it's, it's just, random. Yeah, completely random act of nature. <laughs> oh my gosh! But I love that. Do they really look alike? They do. They do. And actually, I should say, for the first 18 months, we didn't know that they were identical. And my friends kept saying, you know, they really look identical. Really? <laughs> Is there a test or how do you know? There's there's a DNA. There's actually quite a few DNA tests you can, you know, do through the mail. Okay. And so we sent away, swab your cheek and, uh, you know, for 80 bucks. You're and kidding me. It's like, wow. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so wait, why didn't the doctors know? I have to know. Why didn't the doctors know they were identical? You know, I... And it kind of surprises me as well. Yeah. Um, so they, when I went for my, you know, eight week exam and the, you know, the doctor said, well, you know, that we got the separation that it looks like two sacks. So yeah. we're pretty sure this is, these are fraternal twins. And I said, okay. So we went under that <laughs> assumption. And then of course, you know, way down after the fact that the girls were born, I did research and I found out that it all depends on when that split happens. So if it's between days one to five or five to eight. So the earlier the split, then, um, all these other things uh, occur separately. Oh so, my gosh. yes. <laughs> Very interesting. We just got totally schooled on the identical twins. I love it. I'm a big fan of twins. Someday I'm convinced I'm going to have twins. I have, I have no twins in my family. 
family, no nothing like that. But I I'm, know. The heavens too. are going to open, and I'm going to have twins someday. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we start today's show, here are some great tips as you prepare for breastfeeding. Hi, Preggy Pals listeners. I'm Robin Kaplan, an international board-certified lactation consultant, owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center, and the host and producer of Preggy Pals' sister show, The Boob Group. I'm here to offer some advice on what you can do during pregnancy to prepare for a positive breastfeeding experience, such as finding that breastfeeding-friendly pediatrician. Finding a great pediatrician is such an important part of preparing for your baby. Your pediatrician will most likely be the one doctor you see more than any other doctor, so you want to make sure that you have similar philosophies about how you want to take care of your child. In many towns, you may be able to interview the pediatrician before your baby is born, which is definitely ideal. If you have this opportunity, here are a few questions you can ask the pediatrician during the interview to find out if he or she is supportive of breastfeeding. The first one is, what percentage of your patients are breastfeeding exclusively at one month? If this pediatrician is breastfeeding friendly, that number should actually be pretty high because what that means is that if someone is having a breastfeeding challenge, they know the resources to send this mom to so that way they can continue to breastfeed exclusively past one month. Second question would be, do you have a lactation consultant on staff or one whom you refer to if needed? Now, in San Diego, I know that most of the pediatricians here do not have a lactation consultant on staff, and that might actually be pretty similar to the area that you live in as well. However, they should have a stack of cards of a lactation consultant they've met, and they would be happy to share your information with her. Next question is, under what circumstances should a baby be taken off breast and given formula? The answer for this should be almost never. There are very few reasons why a baby should be taken off breast milk and given formula. For example, if a mom has to go on some pretty serious medication where breastfeeding is contraindicated, then that mom, if she has enough opportunity beforehand, she could always pump before and save that breast milk so that way while she's on this medication, she can actually provide that breast milk in a bottle. So it's definitely important for them to know this information so that way they're not suggesting formula if you have an opportunity to prepare beforehand. The next question is, for how long should I breastfeed? This is actually kind of a trick question for your pediatrician. And the reason is, is because we want them to know what their academy recommends. So for example, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends six months of exclusive breastfeeding, which means no juice, no milk, no water, just breast milk, and then up to a year with complementary foods. And so if they don't know this information, there's a good chance that they're probably not the most breastfeeding supportive pediatrician out there. And if it's really important for you to breastfeed, it might be worth it to look into see if there's someone else that would be more appropriate for you. And lastly, another question would be, do you know local breastfeeding resources and support groups to whom you can connect me? This, again, is just making sure that if you're having any challenges, your pediatrician will be able to hand you some information so that you can go get the help and support that you need. 
A breastfeeding supported pediatrician can really make or break your breastfeeding experience with your child. So do your research and find one who you know will guide you using evidence-based information and guidance to help you meet your personal breastfeeding goal. For more information on what you can do during pregnancy to prepare for a positive breastfeeding experience, check out my blog, sandiegobreastfeedingcenter.com backslash blog. And be sure to listen to Preggy Pals and the Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Today we're discussing what it means to have an unassisted childbirth. We have two special interviews today. The first is with Sarah Purcell, who recently had an unassisted childbirth. And after the break, we're going to speak with Laura Ramirez. She's a doula and childbirth educator. She just had an unassisted birth less than a week ago. And she's also witnessed unassisted births in her practice. So first, we're going to start with Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So let's talk first a little bit about your background. Was this the first child that you had? No, he was my third. My first two I had um, at a birthing center, but it was a very um, hospital setting-ish birthing center. Okay. With my daughter, my first one, she's five and a half, um, I wanted to do it naturally and was, you know, pretty set on that. But then once I went into labor, I was taken by surprise, had no idea what to expect. And ended up getting an epidural. Okay. Which, of course, later I regretted after having wanted so badly to do it naturally. Um, so with my son, I was re- my first son, the three-year-old. I was really determined to do it naturally. Um, I hired a doula and um, went to the same birthing center. But this, that time, I kind of knew a little bit better what to expect. Um, as far as, you know, the intensity that was going to be coming. Um, so I, I really think that having a doula was a key for me, just having somebody there to support me and encourage me, and she really knew what I wanted and to do it naturally. So so it ended up natural birth, and um, I felt a little bit like I'd redeemed my first birth that I felt like I, I don't know, that I kind of failed. Not that I had, but, mm-hmm. you know, how we feel sure. <laughs> when our expectations aren't met. Right. So, and and actually, with my my middle child, my three year old, I really wanted to do a home birth, but at the time we just couldn't afford it. So we we just went back to the the birthing center with a certified nurse midwife and and did it naturally. So um, then, with my third, again, I really wanted a home birth. Again, we just weren't in the place to afford it, so I started kind of. Um, researching, and we were gonna we were gonna kind of make it happen if we could afford, you know, scrounge up the money to do it. But um, the two midwives in our town, I just didn't really have a connection with. So it was kind of that factor and the money factor, and just started looking into different things and came upon an assisted childbirth, and 
I had never heard of this. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of shocked that people did this in America what, today. What is the definition um, of unassisted childbirth that you found in your research? Basically, um, having a birth without any medical professional in attendance. Okay, now that obviously includes midwives. Does that include doulas as well? Well, I know of people that do unassisted with doula as long as the doula is not hands-on, you know, like not delivering the baby, which okay. they're not anyways. But okay. As we were researching this over those nine months, um, we started feeling like, you know, this is something that we started as this, as this, you know, intimate act of love between us, and we just wanted it to end as this intimate act of love between us, this just between us and our baby being born, and we just really felt like we didn't want anybody else present. So, oh, What mm-hmm. a great concept. It is. Isn't that really sweet? That's really nice. So you started doing all of this research. I mean, was it kind of exhaustive? Is there a lot of research out there about this? I feel like, I feel like it's, it's gaining some traction, but, um, I feel like it's still something that not a lot of people are pursuing. No, there's not a ton. There's, we read two books. One book, um, called Unassisted Childbirth by Laura Shanley. I think she's kind of like the guru on the topic. And, um, then there's another book called Emergency Childbirth. And I forget the author, but, um, it's a really short, it's like what they give um, paramedics in their school to learn about delivering a baby and, you know, and and the things that can go wrong and what to do. So it's been very concise and it was so helpful for us. We felt like after reading it, like, wow, that's it. <laughs> like, we're all scared and worked up about all these mysterious things that can go wrong that only the doctors know how to fix. But really, it's not, there's not that many things that could happen. and um, most of them, if you kind of know what to look for, you can fix them yourself um, or or know when you should be going to the hospital. And another thing I did was I watched a lot of YouTube videos on unassisted birth. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> if you plug unassisted childbirth into YouTube, there's some pretty fun things to watch. Um, and I let my kids watch them so that they could kind of know what to expect because they were gonna, they they were here. They actually helped deliver the baby. Oh, wow. Um, that's amazing. Like, okay. what kind of role did they have? How did they help? Well, they stood on either side of Daddy while he um, caught the baby when she came out. So they were watching everything, and it, it was amazing. It was pretty awesome. So. You know, a lot of people that are listening may wonder what kind of um, prenatal care that you had prior to going into, you know, your delivery. So did did you see um, an OB or a midwife or anyone on a regular basis, or how did that work? I did. I saw a certified nurse midwife. Okay. Um, just the whole regular, every, you know, I did everything by the book as far as prenatal care. Um, I Actually, another part of my research, I went on mothering.com. They have a, 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 an assisted childbirth section mm-hmm. where you can ask questions and it was really helpful just as things were getting closer and I had a lot more questions just to hear from other people who had already done that and a lot of them did unassisted pregnancies which I'm not quite there yet <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of just wanted to know that everything was okay and once I knew everything was fine and normal and there was nothing to fear and nothing to worry about I was ready to do the UC yeah what concerns, if any, I mean, I know you did a lot of research to ease those concerns, but when you when you first heard, you know, online about unassisted childbirth, what were your initial concerns with it? Well, at first I was just shocked that people did this. Like, I, I think I still felt like, well, 
births need to happen with a medical professional there. Um, but then as I researched more and more, I realized this is something natural that people did for centuries without medical professionals there. And I think if you're educated enough, um, you can do it just fine. If, if it's a normal pregnancy, it, it doesn't have to be something that's feared. The one thing that I had a really hard time with um, letting go of my fear of was that I would hemorrhage and leave my, my two children motherless. Um, and I, I, you know, we knew what to look for for hemorrhaging and we had herbs and homeopathy and I was prepared to eat my raw placenta <laughs> to stop the hemorrhaging. I, I mean, I knew all the things to do, but I still knew it even despite doing those things, I could still hemorrhage and so that was a big fear of mine, but I had to realize too that I could hemorrhage in the hospital and die too. So it's not it's not going to fix it just by going to the hospital. So I, I had to kind of weigh, you know, the risks of being at the hospital, which I, as I researched, I realized there are a lot of risks being at the hospital versus that risk of being home and possibly hemorrhaging and having that happen. And I weighed the two and I still felt like it was safer for me to be at home unassisted. So. Wow. You know, I, I have to ask, Sarah, um, I'm sure you had um, some, you know, friends and family that might have been a little bit skeptical. <laughs> how, yes. did, how did you respond to them? Uh, well, after enough times, we just decided to keep our mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I'm not one to keep my mouth shut. I love to tell people, you know, my exciting plans. And in my mind, it's exciting. And not in other people's minds. <laughs> and so, I, I, oh, the the number of people, even like people that I consider crunchy or an alternative, and when I had mentioned that I was planning this, would just freak out. Like, I was crazy. And, and I would give them statistics, like that, you know, it's actually safer to birth a child at home than it is in the hospital. And I had all my research, you know, fresh in my mind. And, well, yeah, but... Uh, people, you know, people did this for centuries, is what I would say. But people used, the babies used to die and mothers used to die. And there were reasons that that would happen, that, um, you know, malnourishment or lack of food and water or lack of cleanliness. And we don't have those. So those aren't factors to consider. And yeah. So I think eventually I just had to, you know, button my lip and keep my mouth shut. And after it all happened and everything was fine and it was completely you know, uneventful as far as things that could have gone wrong. I wrote this really long blog post on my blog about it and, you know, linked to all my research that I'd been doing and just my my um, my thought process and my whole process to bring me to why I decided to do a UC. And I think a lot of people, after reading that, it helped them to understand, like, okay, maybe this isn't Maybe she's not that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet it was kind of therapeutic for you to do that, too. And we'll make sure, by the way, that we link to that on our website so our listeners can check out your blog post. Um, let's go through this, you know, rather quickly. But let, let's talk about what happened during your labor and delivery. We were traveling the country in our RV at the time. So um, we had stopped it in the town where my in-laws live just because we wanted to have a little bit of help after the birth with the baby. So we were in our motorhome, and it was New Year's Eve. My wow. Husband, um, <laughs> my husband had stayed up late, and I'd gone to bed. 
Um, and then about one o'clock, I woke up. My husband was still up. He hadn't, he didn't get any sleep that night. Um, I, I woke up with some, some, you know, a little bit stronger contractions. So this was, this was it. I could tell it was really it. Um, so I just labored around. We lit candles. Um, I had bought like some really yummy cheese and grapes and, um, I think some yummy crackers and I was just, we got out some, a plate of yummy snacks and just were, um, enjoying that and enjoying the, it was raining outside. We could hear the rain on the motorhome and had candles and we got the bed ready and put our like plastic underneath it and, um, our little puppy weenie pads under that or on top of that. And, um, I just labored around for, a few hours, and then we called my mother-in-law over to come sleep with our older two kids. About 7 o'clock, started getting a little more intense, and I got on the bed and just kind of got in any position that would feel comfortable, usually on all fours or on my left side. For some reason, it felt better with my leg up in the air. And um, I was in transition maybe for 45 minutes, where it kind of was a lot more intense. Um, but honestly, I was surprised that I was ready to give birth when it when he actually came because it wasn't as intense or painful, I guess, as I thought it would be or had remembered. Um, and I worked a lot on kind of letting go of my fears because I knew that having more fear caused my body to tense up more and cause more pain, and I really didn't want that. Um, so somehow I was pretty relaxed, and it, it, it got intense, but it wasn't horrible. And um, then about 45 minutes later, my body just was overcome with the feeling of pushing. And I pushed for maybe five or ten minutes, not that many times. And out he came. My husband was standing at the foot of the bed with my two kids on either side. And they grabbed him and put him on my chest. It was was the most amusing experience of my life. It was something uh, yeah it was amazing wow awesome. wow <laughs> oh my goodness okay so um what did you have i'm thinking okay the baby's coming out it, it probably got pretty messy in there um you know what kind of utensils or what what did you have to um just be able to kind of contain the area or or was it was it just you know you guys were on blankets and that's you know that's how it happened yeah well we had like a um a plastic shower curtain that we put on the bed. And then we put, um, I think it's just a old sheet that I didn't care about over it. And some puppy pads on top to, you know, catch most of the liquid. Um, and we had some, some string to tie the um, umbilical cord off with. So, and we had some scissors that we were boiling to sterilize them. So we tied two little spots on the umbilical cord and cut between the two strings. Um, and other than that, we just had like herbs and homeopathy out and ready and um, a bowl. Oh, we had a bowl ready for the placenta. And I think that's it. It was pretty simple. Wow. Now, wait, now I have to ask, I know a lot of women experience some perineal tearing. Um, Did you experience any of that or did you have to go get any care soon afterwards? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, well, I tore slightly, but I went and saw my midwife a couple days later and she looked at it and said I wouldn't even have stitched it if, you know, you'd been in the 
the birthing center at the time. It's not even worthy of a stitch. So it was very, very slight. I wasn't in pain. I tore really badly with my first, like, third-degree tear and um, had to get stitched up. And I was surprised that my baby was 10 pounds, 7 ounces. And I wow. Came what? Out just fine. <laughs> came out just fine, yep, with a very, very slight You're tear. kidding me. Oh, my goodness. And then what was the, the oh. length on the baby? Um, 21 inches, I think, if I remember correctly. Wow. If you can birth that big of a baby <laughs> completely <laughs> unassisted, there's nothing you can't do, Sarah. <laughs> I'm convinced. <laughs> I felt pretty empowered, and not just because how big he was, but just, like, taking that ownership of my birth, me and my husband, and it was it was just such an empowering feeling to know, we can do this. Like, this is, this is normal and natural and beautiful, and it doesn't have to be in somebody else's hands. It was, it's okay to take that responsibility of our birth into our own hands. I'm empowered. You guys feel empowered? I feel birth a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing that beautiful story with us. Um, we certainly appreciate it and congratulations on your baby. And again, we'll link to your blog post on our site. And I know there's a lot of other really good resources out there. I I did um, watch some videos and, and stuff like that before today's interview. So I'll link to all of that for all of you who want some more information on assisted childbirth. When we come back, doula Laura Ramirez is going to talk about her experience witnessing an unassisted childbirth firsthand. And then seven days ago or less than a week ago, at least she had her own unassisted childbirth with her own baby. So we are going to get the scoop on that. We'll be right back. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back. Laura Ramirez is joining us on the phone. Laura is a doula and a childbirth educator. She recently had an unassisted birth of her own recently, as in less than a week ago, <laughs> which is amazing that she's even talking to us on the phone right now. Um, but she's also witnessed unassisted births in the past. So, Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. I, I think one of the interesting things about your story, Laura, and of course I want to hear it from you, um, is that you actually didn't intend to have an unassisted childbirth. It was more of a necessity. So let, let's talk a little bit about your situation, what you had planned to have happen, and then what actually happened. Um, sure. My husband and I um, are having our second child. Our first was born in a hospital birth center in this pregnancy, we felt like having a home birth with a home birth midwife was what kind of fit our family the best. Um, and so I had prenatal visits with a midwife through my entire pregnancy. Um, and we planned to have a water birth. So we had a, a tub and all of our home birth supplies ready and set aside uh, for this birth. And it just so happened that things progressed in a way that we called the midwife um, when I knew that our baby was coming out very quickly. Um, And they made it here just a few minutes after she was born. 
<laughs> you're like you're a few minutes late. So um, now, did you wait to call them, or did, was it just that labor just happened so quickly? I mean, what what do you attribute? You know, your midwives not you know being able to make it there in time too. It was a number of things. Um, I had had some labor, early labor, the day before, um, with nothing really happening, and my midwife had come over. Um, Tuesday evening to kind of put me at peace of mind and say, you know, just let it happen. Your baby's still early. Um, you know, don't don't worry about the things aren't aren't progressing. You know, on on the timeline that I wanted. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had my thinking brain on, and I wanted, you know, if it was going to happen, I wanted it to keep going. Um, and so. You know, went to bed that night and then woke up about two in the morning feeling like, okay, this is the real deal. And I called my midwife about 7.30 saying, okay, I'm I'm at an intensity of about eight out of ten. So things are definitely happening and I'm having to focus a lot on control. And she said, you know, do you want me to come over? And I said, I, I don't really know. And I was kind of gun shy at that point. You know, if she came over, would things stop and nothing would happen? And so I was hesitant to say yes. And um, and then about 10 o'clock was when I felt the shift in labor and um, and knew that my baby was coming right that, you know, right then. So that's when we called them and said, okay, come right now. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And so within minutes, your baby was there? Or how long did it take? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, it took me about as long as it would to get from my bathroom to the tub and then um, about four pushes after that. Oh, my oh, gosh. Wow. You're probably holding that baby in trying to get to the bathroom. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you're obviously having some sort of conversation with your husband during this time saying, um, I'm not sure they're going to make it here on time. I'm curious just what the mood was like the, the moment you realized this baby is going to be unassisted. Um, yes, it was. I didn't have a, a whole lot of thinking going on, um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Um, I Once I... I recognize the shift, you know, your belly lifts up and, and the whole sensation feels very different. Um, and I recognized it from um, having been in labor before, given birth before. I My whole focus shifted at that point was just to get to the tub. I really wanted to have a water birth. And I made it from the bathroom to the edge of the bed and realized I was not going to sit down <laughs> from the bed to halfway around and then I got on my hands and knees my husband at that point said you know it's really okay if we don't make it to the tub and I said no we're making it to the tub <laughs> a determined mom <laughs> and I was a little bit stubborn at that point and I crawled <laughs> from there to the next room to get into the tub and I don't think it was even in my mind um, that they weren't there. Um, and I think that's having experienced the intensity of, of giving birth before knowing that there wasn't much that was going to hold up this baby. Mm-hmm. And I tuned into what was going on with the progress by, by checking myself and I could very easily feel how close 
she was at that point and um, used used my sense of touch to kind of ease her down gently and and let her come. So, and then my husband was behind me as I was on hands and knees and he just kind of caught her as, as she came out. Wow. Now, how much do you think having the background and the information and, and the knowledge you have as a doula, how did that help you in this? Because I, I really, I know there's a lot going on. You know, I have two kids of my own, so mm-hmm. I know there's a lot going on during the birthing process. But at mm-hmm. the same time, if you never had a kid before and you don't have the doula experience that you have, I'm just wondering who would freak out. I think I, think I might freak out a little bit. Um, but how much do you think having the knowledge you had as a doula really helped you in this? I think in the moment of having an assisted birth, my knowledge in trusting birth and knowing that the majority of the time birth is very normal um, and things, you know, don't go chaotically wrong very fast, um, that helped me be calm. And also having my husband there and knowing that I had his 100% support um, and that he was okay with that happening too, uh, was a big help. And that's been my experience as a doula as well with um, other parents who have had unassisted birth, is that if both parents are confident in themselves and trust the birth process, um, then they don't have a lot of fear. And I guess that that would be the the main concern that I think a lot of women or families have going into this, and that is what if there is an emergency? Am I putting myself in danger? Am I putting my child in danger? And, mm-hmm. you know, I know that they say that there's not s- too many things that can go wrong, but th- there are right. things that do go wrong, you know, and that's why we have things, mm-hmm. you know, like cesareans and stuff like that for women that really need it. So um, what what type of... You know, is there some sort of backup plan or, you know, plan B, you know, if this happens, would you recommend something like that to say, hey, we tried this route, we really wanted this to happen, but, you know, it's just not going to happen with this baby? I think it's always a good idea to have a backup plan. That way, if things do change, um, you're not scrambling at the last minute. You are going in to that change with confidence and saying, okay, well, um, it looks like we have to go to the hospital. The car seat base is already in the car. We have a bag packed. Let's get in the car and go. Um, I think you should, um, yeah, always always have care and uh, as far as prenatal care and, um, you know, we recommend being at least pre-registered at a hospital or having one decided as this is where we would go if something happens. Um, and then just the basic education is these are the two things that can go wrong, um, you know, and, and change the birth experience that you were planning. Um, but as long as you, if you visit it, then you can go forward confidently knowing, okay, if, if something happens, then we're prepared for that. I think the worst is to not be prepared and to have to scramble. Thank you for sharing your experience. We we really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, before we wrap up today's show, here are some baby registry secrets. Hi, Preggy Pauls. My name is Hevian, sales associate at Agana Baby. Here to discuss some tips you want to consider when creating the perfect baby registry. Our fourth tip is to think about the future. As your baby grows, the items you need change as well. This is your opportunity to gather many of these items without too much cost to you. Down the road, you will need to purchase certain items such as a booster seat for dinner table, different size bottle nipples, a carrier that can carry a toddler, a sippy cup, and so on. If you are able to effectively plan ahead, you may get many of these items purchased for you beforehand, eliminating any cost to you in the future. Keep in mind, however, that some items change over time such as strollers by model year and car seats due to new car seat laws that are implemented from time to time, so it's best to stick to items which likely will not change drastically. Be sure to try and leave clothes off of the registry if you can. Clothes have many variables such as colors, designs, and even size at times. This makes it difficult for people to pick out and purchase these items. If you would like to include clothes, be as clear as you can about what you're looking for. It would also be good to think about including toys when you're looking into the future. You will most likely start to use early infant toys such as ones with teethers within a few months, so it may be good to start thinking about what kind you would like to have at that point. For more tips on creating the perfect baby registry as well as what to include in the registry, visit aganababy.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at aganababy. And be sure to listen to Preggy Pulse for more great registry tips in the future. And that's it for our show for today. If you have any questions about unassisted childbirth, please send us an email or call our Preggy Pals hotline at 619-866-4775 and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a pregnancy topic you'd like to suggest, we would love to hear it. Visit our website at preggypals.com and send us an email. Thanks for listening to Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey, mamas, don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.